KMTT, Kimitzion Teitzei Torah. You are listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Bet, Cheshvan, Parashat Noach. You are listening to your host, Jonathan Snowbell, and the Erev Shabbat program is Lilud Nishmat, Shlomo Yosef, Ben Chaim Shmuel. So, after a month filled of Yalev Yavo, of Hallel, of an emotional, spiritual roller coaster. Today, Erev Shabbat, we set our first Tachanun in a long time, and we get back on track on everyday life, everyday Avodat Hashem. Parshat Noach. The crazy guy who's lifting up the sign in the middle of Times Square, repent or world destruction is imminent. Which which result is he looking for? What does he want to happen? Well, on the one hand, clearly, if... He's telling everybody this secret. He's letting he knows that if we don't repent the world will be destroyed and he's letting everybody in on the secret so he wants everybody to repent. However, he knows that everybody thinks he's crazy. And frankly, if the world were to be destroyed, there'd be a great sense of vindication there. And so he should be very happy if the world indeed is destroyed. And turns out that he wasn't crazy and the world was destroyed. On the other hand, as we said, he's telling us to repent. And if in fact we repent and the world isn't destroyed, so his aim of warning us to repent has also been satisfied. Two models. Two models and perhaps two stories in Tanakh that mirror and express this these two options one of course is Yona say for Yona Yona in this story is the crazy man who goes into the middle of Nineveh man who's not related to the people there nobody knows him he's from he's a jewish person from israel he walks into the middle of the city od arba'im yom in another 40 days the city of nineveh will be overturned will be destroyed chances are who's going to believe this guy who is he another prophet of doom what happens the people of Nineveh repent. They take Yonah seriously. The city, in fact, is not overturned. It's not destroyed. How does Yonah feel about this? Well, Yonah is very upset about this. Yonah 
And I realize that there are nuances here and there are perhaps other explanations. But Yonah is upset that his prediction did not come true. Now, again, many mitigating circumstances here. Clearly, Yonah was taken seriously. He didn't need feel the need to be taken seriously. He was taken seriously. And clearly, Yonah has other issues here as well. Depending on all the different models of understanding, say, for Yonah, Yonah was upset, perhaps, that God has too much rachamim, and Yonah is expecting more deen, more judgment in the world. Yonah is upset because he is a prophet, ultimately, for the children of Israel, as is told to us in Sefer Melachim, in the Book of Kings, and now... Nineveh, the capital of Ashur, which has now repented and not been destroyed, will ultimately and be able to exile the kingdom of Israel and destroy what is left there. But, you all bear with me, and we'll take this approach. Yonah is upset. His prediction didn't come true. Yonah predicted something, and his prediction didn't come true. Yonah then is the, pardon the term, crazy man who predicts the world's destruction unless the people repent, and the world doesn't get destroyed. No vindication. No, it's hard to take him seriously. Well, maybe the world was going to be destroyed, or maybe it wasn't. Noach, on the other hand, or on the same hand, in a similar way, he doesn't scream out, Od He doesn't say, in another 40 days, the world will be destroyed. Nor does he put up a sign, in the classic sense, with handwriting on it, with, that says, repent or the world will be destroyed. However, Noah built an enormous sign, an ark, a three-story ark made out of wood that he built with his hands, perhaps the hands of his children, that according to Chazal took 120 years to construct. And by doing so, as Chazal tell us, Yonah was essentially putting up a large sign and saying, if you don't repent, the world will be destroyed. God is going to bring a flood and you're all going to be destroyed. That's why I'm building the ark. Repent, or the world will be destroyed. And what happened? As opposed to Yonah's case, the world was destroyed. The world was destroyed. Noach's prediction came true. Noach then could have taken the route of sense of indication. Here, everybody thought it was crazy. And I wasn't... I mean, if we saw a person building an ark and saying the flood, a flood was coming, we'd think they were crazy. And in fact, there is even a modern-day movie playing on the theme of Noah, the regular congressman who is normal by every stretch of the imagination, who gets inspired to build an ark. So, here Noah could have felt vindicated. 
But Noach's reaction after the Mabul is to hit the bottle. And when people hit the bottle, the way we view things is a sign of depression. Noach is depressed. Noach, as opposed to Yonah then, does not feel vindicated. He feels like a failure. Noach's purpose, as he viewed it, was not to be proven right that the world was going to be destroyed, but to, in fact, bring people to realize what they were doing and to repent and to stave off the destruction of the world. And, in fact, he did not. He did not. He survived the Mabul, but he hit the bottom. He had no other purpose left in life because he failed in his life mission to make the people repent and save the world. This is nicely expressed in the Psukim as well. I believe in one form or another, whether in the Arab Shabbat program or in the Parshat Shavua classes, I've discussed this distinction before, but in, the, in both of the first two Parshiot of the Torah, we have lists of ten generations. We have a list of the generations from Adam, from the first man, till Noach. And we have from Shem, Noach's son, till Avraham, or Avram more correctly. Very similar lists where one son is mentioned bearing the other next son at what age. The major distinction perhaps between the two lists is that in the first list, the number of years that people lived was far greater than the number of years that people lived post the Mabul, post the flood. But there's one more important distinction, is that while the first list ends in the word Vayamot, the person being described died, passed away, the second one ends Vayolet Banimuvanot, he gave birth to sons and daughters. Now, there's no difference between the two lists factually. In fact, the people in both lists died. The people in both lists apparently had more than one son and had many children. The Torah then, in fact, is pointing out to something completely different. The Torah is pointing out to the fact that the people pre-the Mabul, pre-the flood, they died in the sense that there's no continuation to them the world that they brought into the world, the children, the discoveries, they died. Their world ended with the flood. The flood was the destruction of the world, and their world ended. Our eternity is expressed in our children, and our children's children, and that allows us to continue living even after our death. But the generations that preceded the Mabul, their children's children and their children, they died. The world was wiped out. And so the Torah says, Vayamot. The generations after the Mabul, Vayamot, they had children and daughters. And that is the opposite of Vayamot. 
They had sons and daughters, and these sons and daughters had sons and daughters. And the world continued, and the achievements of these people, though they may have passed away, remained in the world, and their world continued through their children. However, Noach, who before the Mabul, is not described as having died, because he didn't die before the Mabul, Noach doesn't exactly appear in either list, somewhere in the middle, and he gets his own statement. And in that statement, described after he gets drunk, and after he confronts his son Cham, and after he blesses his sons Shem and Yefet, does describe Noach, and it describes him very clearly as being belonging to the Primabul, Vayamot. It describes that he died. As opposed to the generations from Shem to Avraham, who though they died, the Torah did not describe them as having died, Noach is given the sad comment of death. Noach died. And Noach died because he saw his life mission as saving the world, saving the people from destruction. And he didn't. And upon realizing that after the Mabul, though he lived another 350 years, he died. He stopped being creative. Whether he stopped being creative on a having offspring level, or Chazal were certainly interested in that point, that he no longer had offspring anymore, perhaps because of Cham or Canaan. But really he stopped being creative. All he could do was look back at what was and his failure to save it. In this sense, and here we come back to our Yonah character, Yonah and Noach are very similar. Chazal say, Vayid devar Hashem el Yonah ben Amitai shenit lemor, shenit velo shlishit. This story of Yonah and Sefer Yonah is Yonah's last nevuah. It's his last prophecy. He gets out of the business after this. Because a person who mires in their failures or in their perceived failures and doesn't pick themselves up and say, what was, was, and now let's move forward, they're finished. And Noah lived for 350 years after the Mabul. But if we wanted to describe him describe him in a literary fashion, we would describe an old man who was carrying around a bottle and a paper bag for those 350 years and going up to everybody who could who would listen to his story and say, you know, I really tried hard to save that world, and I failed. And then stumble off, take another swig, lie down against the wall and fall asleep for another few hours. And Yonah, too, sits down, against the Kikayon, against this large plant. And he can't pick himself up, and God is not interested in him anymore. Yonah and Noach both either failed, or perhaps perceived themselves as failing. Either one Their perception here is the important one. As in, as a result of their perceived failure, they f- continue. They failed to continue to move on, and they f- failed to continue to act.
And part of life is failure. Some of us will face failure in a more difficult manner, some of us in a more minor manner. And we cannot give up in the face of failure. Those who give up and mire themselves in their failures can never move forward. And if we never can move forward from our failures, we become useless. The message of Noach, the message of Yonah, perhaps the message of the entire parasha, is that there is hope and there is ability to move on. God almost wiped out the world, but he left Noach and his family and he gave hope. And he promised us that he'll never destroy the world entirely. He gave us the rainbow. And we have to know that when God is giving us hope, that means we have hope. What type of hope? How great is our hope? I can't say, certainly not on a personal level, to an individual in a difficult situation. But I would like to believe and I would like to say that despite our perceived failures, we can, if we so desire, if we try hard enough, to pick ourselves up and move forward and look into the future and say, let's make the future different than our past. Let's pick ourselves up. Let's move forward. Shabbat Shalom.